Hi, this is Chris Stagg. You're listening to Words and Sound. On today's show, my very special guest is actor, writer and producer Tony Sands. Tony and I discuss his work, including shorts Echoes of the Past and The Bench, as well as his new directorship of the upcoming Unrestricted View Horror Film Festival. All music, as always, is chosen by my guest, and we will hear all about that and more right after this. Yeah, to hell. 
Tony, thank you very, very much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me along, Chris. I'm really pleased to see you brought the hat along. Yeah, well, I thought I, felt I had to, man. Even if, the, even if the listeners can't actually see it, I thought I, thought I needed to wear the hat. Every picture I've ever seen of you. The hat. <laughs> so, but, I mean, we'll get on to this, but Echoes of the Past. Yes. Did you have the hat in that? I did, yeah, <laughs> I did. It, it comes a bit of a contractual obligation. We, uh, when we were doing, when we, uh, the last one I did was um, Eat Me Up. And uh, one of the things, I, I wasn't actually initially going to be in it, but yeah, when, when we were coming to, to costumes and all that, Dame, one, of the, one of the emails Damon sent out, yes, Tony, you can wear your hat. So it's, uh, does it ever come off? Yeah, it comes off, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, it does. It all started, I didn't, I didn't actually wear hats when I was younger, and then my, heart, my hair started falling out, and I thought if the hair goes completely, because I had the, I had the, at one point I had the Bruce Willis moonlighting years look, <laughs> and uh, I thought if, if the whole thing goes, then I'm going to try hats out. I'm just going to try hats out. Uh, is, that, is that a pork pie hat? This is a pork pie, yeah, there we go. I've taken my hat off, I've taken my hat off. Okay, I can see, put it back on. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. There's a reason, there's a reason there's a hat. Um, right, so let's go, let's go right back to the beginning. When did you first get involved in, in writing? In writing? Um, right, when I was, I, I trained as an actor way back when I was a, a babby, when, when I was your boy's age, actually. I started training really? as an actor about 11. And uh, I think every actor... They like, to, they like to think there's so much more. They like to think they're great directors and great writers. But I always, I always loved um, creative stuff. I think I was a very shy kid and very introverted. And it wasn't like there was anything wrong with my family. I had a great family life. I was very happy. But I think because I was quite small and quite shy, I, I, I was quite introverted. And I, I found it very hard to kind of be me, be brave enough to be me. And I think mm. even as adults, a lot of us are like that. Mm. Uh, but I always so acting was a great outlet and when I was in school English was one of my favorite things with creative writing I always loved writing create from way back primary school and then into secondary and so the writing started then but I never really seriously thought well let's write and let's try this and let's yeah. get show other people and obviously I'm marvelously magnificent but I didn't want to show off so too much originally you wanted to be an actor I always wanted to be an actor yeah I think way way back as far as I remember, I used to love watching films. Laurel and Hardy, I, I adored, and they were fantastic. They are fantastic. I was, I was watching Saps at Sea the other day. They're brilliant, Absolutely aren't they? Love it. I was watching Laurel and Hardy last night, actually. <laughs> County Hospital and uh, Damdale Hills, I think it was called. Uh, but yeah, I always loved Laurel and Hardy, and, and films. Uh, Singing in the Rain was a great, one of my favourite films. Every movie, I used to love all the movies, but I think people like say Donald O'Connor in Singing in the Rain, yeah, who yeah. I thought is one of the greatest comedy performances in movies, uh, all-round performances in movies. I mean, he's so, he's so fantastic in that. And then Laurel and Hardy, who are just absolute geniuses. They had such a, a brotherly bond and such a connection. And they worked so well, and they were so funny. And I used to look at that, and I used to think, man, I'd like to make people feel like they make me feel, uh, which is what I think. And then I found acting as a great outlet mm. anyway, but it always kind of inspired me. If I can make people feel as good as as they made me feel as I, when I watch Lauren and Hardy because they're funny and they make you laugh and it, it, it's that bonding experience isn't it yeah, I, used, I mean I was yeah. watching Lauren and Hardy last night with my dad and we're both sitting and there still, laughing it's still funny and they're brilliant yeah do you kind of feel the comedy pull more, more than anything yeah, well I think I think humour is really important I, I think we have like life is tough enough isn't it I mean we, yeah. all, we all suffer through, through traumas and tragedies and like just everyday life can be tough so I think humour is really important. It's important to be able to laugh. And I think especially in, especially if you look at a genre like uh, horror, I think if you can have the light side of it, then it can make the dark side even darker. You know, because if, you, if yes. you're laughing one minute and then you're going into a perilous situation the next, it's, it feels a little bit more tragic. It feels a little bit worse because you're looking at it thinking, oh no. Just- I, I, I think for me, I, I don't particularly like films that are straight out um, comedy horror. Mm. Uh, but I do like horror films that have just enough. So if I take like Evil Dead Two, yeah, I think for me that's as far as I'd want to go. You know, it's still very scary. It's quite a horrible. So is Evil Dead Three too far? I enjoy Evil Dead Three, but from that's the point where to me it's no longer a horror film. Yeah, yeah. You know, the original Evil Dead was quite horrific. Evil Te- Dead Two, I'm still not really sure after all these years if it's a remake <laughs> or a sequel. But you know, there's that comedy element to it as well. And then Evil Dead Three, uh, it's, it's, it's gone. It's, I mean, it's, it's I made that choice. It, yeah. I mean, Evil Dead Three is that. That's why I was asking because Evil Dead Three is that step. It's it's more comedy. It is. Yeah. It's gone. They've gone all out yeah. for it. 
uh, which is probably what Sam Raimi was originally. I mean, well, I mean, if you look at, is it crime, that crime one? The, the, did you ever see that gangster one he did? What was it called? Ah, it's going to irritate me now. But he'd done his gangster one, and that was like straight-out comedy, but very genre-like. It's very cool. If you've never seen it, it's a very cool cool film. I'll look for it in, in a bit, and I'll have to Google it and he try did, and find uh, it. Funnily enough, I was only watching it last week, uh, Dark Man. Darkman as well, yeah. Darkman's got a few. Odd one, yeah. I mean, Liam Neeson doesn't hold back in that, does no, he? he, I mean, he, doesn't, he really. Uh, but there are there are little elements of comedy Definitely, in yeah, that as well. Yeah. That's that's kind of edging over into and, the absurd. And actually, I mean, let's go. If we look at the Sam Raimi trilogies. Then Spider Man Three. That was yeah. That's that. Bottled over into comedy, didn't it? Rather than didn't he do Drag Me to Hell as well? Or was that do, Wes Craven? That was it. Was I think it was, that was Sam? Was yeah, that Sam I think Raimi? so. Because I'm just remembering all like the prosthetic faces and stuff. Of, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a Sam. But he's that he is that kind of that's the kind of thing he does. He likes yeah. horror and he likes comedy. Yeah. And like when he can blend the two, he does. And even if you look at Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell, most of his films are. So the reason I mean, like, actually, probably the majority of sorry, Bruce Campbell, but the majority of films films are probably not very good because he does such. <laughs> but his good ones are good, you know. He's great. He's great. Sorry, Bruce Campbell. That's, I'm never working with him. Yeah, well, you know, he's a like cult legend. <laughs> well, I'm sure he wants to work with me. I... <laughs> but I mean, the reason why I brought that up is was, um, and we'll get onto Echoes uh, properly in, in a minute. But for me, it was a film that it was probably the first of. Scott's films that I saw yeah um, and I, I didn't know what to expect I didn't know you know how good is it going to be it's, mm. it's a short horror how much is it going to affect me and I thought it was incredible and I oh, thought what was fantastic for me was how at the beginning what started as quite light hearted um, towards the end genuinely give me chills and I wasn't expecting to feel like that and I wasn't expecting the ending either i mean i was i was kind of expecting it when that particular character was first introduced mm. but then i kind of lost track of feeling like that it, it convinced me that it wasn't the case yeah because I, I you know being the cynic i thought okay right him i'm watching him but then it convinced me no he's just everything's fine and i, I loved that kind of slow burn bits of comedy but by the end it just had me hooked i thought it was absolutely fantastic thanks very much that's really nice of you to say chris i appreciate that uh, i think yeah, I mean, it's the original script I wrote in about a day because I had, I was, I was, it was written because I was going through something that, it's one of those situations, you know, when you get into, mm. you, you, you get into this situation and you're feeling quite trapped and quite down and sometimes in the back of your head that you know there's a solution. Yeah. And it's not always easy to grasp it, but then at other times there is no solution. There's no fix. There's nothing out of it. It's just a matter of bulldozing your way through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that can be really, really frustrating. So the original reason to write Echoes was because I was going through a situation like that. I couldn't fix it. And I like fixing things. I like to be able to fix something. And I couldn't fix it. And this was my way. And it's always good to talk. This is the other mm. thing. You should always talk. If you're going through a bad time, even if you can't see the fix yourself, even if you can't see the solution, talk about it. Because otherwise it's just going to trap itself inside and it's going to build up and it's going to become worse. Like this kind of dark I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you, are you saying... You, you kind of you were writing to, to try and it was vocalize or onto paper yeah it was my way of talking yeah it was right. my way of it was my way of letting it all out and talking yeah. about it so not sitting down and talking to someone because i pretty much knew what my response what the responses would be and i didn't feel that was necessarily going to help me in that form but i knew i needed to talk so i felt if i can sit down and i can write about write about something if i can put this in words and not necessarily talk about the thing I'm going through, but if I can talk and put it into mm. some other kind of creative form and talk about it in another way, then that's going to help me. And I sat down and I wrote it in about a day and then that kind of worked because it distracted my mind. And it's kind of what you just referred to with yeah, the characters. Yeah. It, 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 I started focusing and then like within two days I'd written the first draft, um, went back, I had an idea to introduce two characters. So originally it was just a two person piece with um, Liz and the professor. And then I thought, thought actually, let's make it a four-person piece. Mm. Let's write myself in. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> did, from the beginning, did you have yourself I didn't, I didn't actually. No, I, when I wrote, when I wrote um, Frank and Fred in, I had uh, Mac in mind, and who was then cast, and I had myself in mind, but just so I had a frame of reference for the characters' voices. So it gave me an idea of how, what would I like? If I was acting in it, what would I like to say? What, would the lines, what mm. lines would work yeah. for me? And the reason I introduced those two is to up the stakes. Because I thought, if you've only got two characters, 
there's a pretty good chance they're going to make it all the way mm, through. You yeah, know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. going to get to the end. Let's face it; it's going to be a really boring film if one of them dies at the beginning. <laughs> you know, so I thought, well, let's introduce two more characters and up the stakes, and also I can bring in a different element, so I can use them as. And this is what I'm going back to. Like you said, it, if I can use that sleight of hand almost, so like. Yeah. Um, if I wave my right hand, you won't see what my left hand is doing. Yeah. So I thought if I kind of bring in, bring them in, they're a good distraction. And also they kind of bring some humor and some light into it. And that kind of, hopefully that will make the darkness a little bit darker and a little bit hard, a little bit harder hitting yeah. when we find out the truth and everything's revealed. Uh, so when I wrote it, I always, I think I pretty much knew what I wanted to happen at the end, but I wasn't really sure how it was going to happen and how it was going to be revealed. And then, and then I think the ending might have changed as I was writing it, so it kind of took me on a journey as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so that's why, and but that's why I like having that humour. I like having these characters in there because I think we need a little bit, and it makes it more dynamic. When, so how when did it all you crashes together? Was this um, the first short you'd done, or you'd, you'd done writing before? And how did you I, kind of get involved with Scott? Right. So uh, the I'd, I'd written stuff before. I mean, I kind of dropped. I, I, I dropped out of acting. And so I'd kind of done some writing then, and then I dropped out of acting and was out of it for years. And then I came across, uh, I came across again a guy called Charles Ravel, who used to be married to Anna Shear, and they used to run the Anna Shear Theatre mm, together, mm. which is where I trained. And I came across Charles, and he was doing some acting classes, and I thought, I'll go along to them for a bit of fun, you know, meet some people, made some good friends there. And Charles one day said to me, have you ever thought of writing? And I'm like, yeah, but I've only kind of done this and done that. And I've never really kind of done anything yeah. big with it. And he goes, you should. You should consider writing. You should go for it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, again, actor's ego. I'm going to write myself a one-man play. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem, Thousands are going to go see right, it. Yeah, they're going to love it. They're going to mob, mob, mob handed. They're going to charge on in. They'll be fighting for tickets. Tickets will be on eBay. It'll be mad. <laughs> but, but the problem with a one-man play is there's an awful lot of lines. <laughs> Right, I'm ready. Yeah, what am yeah. I going to say? I can't, I'm like looking at the lines thinking, my God, this is just like a nightmare. <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? So the, the one-man play got put to the side. How, and how far did you get with it? Did you, I did, did write that. I did write did about, write yeah, I write about 40 minutes, I think. Do you think it'll ever rear its head again? I, I've lost it. I don't know what I've oh. done with it. It was great. It was a really good play. Though. Was it? it? Was so, oh, brilliant. Oh. Probably the best written one-man show ever. I just don't know what I did with it. So nobody will ever disprove me. So basically, it, is, it, it would have been on Broadway. It would have been, man. Oh. It would have been like for years. It would have outdone the mousetrap on London, <laughs> London, <laughs> London stage. Uh, so anyway, I did that. And then, again, I put it to the side. And I wasn't really thinking too much. And then an actress friend of mine uh, said, would you, do you think you could write just a little piece for me? so I can put it on the showreel and just kind of get myself out there and show casting directors. Like, like a monologue? Or? Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. And I I was staying at their house in Bristol, uh, Porrigan Moiran, and that night I had this, I just downloaded this script up from my phone. So I thought, I'm lying on their sofa at two o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, do you know what? I've, I've got an idea. So I started writing this two-person piece that all takes part, place on a park bench, and uh, I wrote about... 10 minutes, I think, of that, five, 10 minutes. I thought, no, it might have been five minutes, to be fair. It might have been about five minutes. And like in the morning, I said, oh, Moira, by the way, I had this idea. And she's like, well, you wrote that on the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, just, it was just in my head. I had to write it. It was there. great. It's really good. Uh, and then on my way, I think I drove back and I was still thinking about these two characters that I'd written. And then um, I can't remember where I was going. I think I was on a train going somewhere. And I thought, you know what? I've got this. I've got an idea for more. I want to see more. I want to hear more about these two characters. So I wrote a bit more and then it like 15 minutes. And I thought, well, 15 minutes is a bit long. Uh, it's a bit too short for a play and it's a bit too long for a short. And like, what, what am I going to... Do you know what? I want to know who else sits on this bench. So I started, so I wrote these two more characters um, and I wrote their story. And so did it become... The, so the bench was the focus. Yeah, that was that turned in. Yeah, so the bench was the focus. And then like, so I wrote two more characters and then I'd had these other two characters that I'd written exactly one page for in a play that I had an idea for that I never wrote. I just got this one page. And I thought, you know what? They could go on the bench as well because they, they all work. So I put them on the bench and that turned into a feature script. Um, and again, that kind of sat on the side and more even got chatting. She was at this casting. She got chatting to this director and the director was saying, well, I'm looking for films to make. I'm looking for good scripts. And Warren said, well, wow. <laughs> I've got this friend. And I, we got in touch and 
uh, eventually that became a, sh- a, well, a feature film called The Bench, which is on Amazon Prime. Uh, and that, that had Mac in it as well, so who, who I put forward for that, Mac McFadden, who is a comedian. Um, and a really a good comedian, very good comic poet, and a good actor. And so, so The Bench, we did The Bench, and then we, st- we had another one called The Cleanup, which we shot and has never been finished editing. So it's did you feel like, when you did The Bench, did you feel like, I've just, it, it just, I just feel like... I can do this. It was just kind of... Yeah, I, I, it, it's weird because I think one of our... I don't know if it's an English thing or just a human thing that, you know, we're afraid to say we're good at something or yeah, we're afraid to... Yeah. We're, you know, we're very good at putting ourselves down. Yeah. We're very good at cursing ourselves and, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm such an idiot. But we're not very good at patting ourselves on the back and saying, you know what, I did good. Yeah. I'm good at that. I, I think we're almost embarrassed to say it. And I think when, when you do say that, people look at you like, what? Oh. What's wrong with that dude, man? He's got such a big ego, and it's not yeah. about ego. It's just about let's be honest with ourselves. When when we do wrong, we're very good at saying we did wrong, and we're very good at beating ourselves up. But what's wrong with saying that you're good and you can do, and that you did good? So I mean, when I wrote the bench, I thought I'd written a very good script, yeah. and I actually argued this with the director because she wanted to change stuff, and I kept saying, "No, this is. I think this is good. I think this this can work." Whether everybody agrees with me, yeah, that's yeah, a completely yeah. other thing. That's that's down to opinion, and opinion is fine. And I'm quite happy to take criticism. I'm quite happy for people to say it didn't work for me because or I didn't yeah. get engaged because that's fine, you know. And I'm not saying that I can't improve things and I can't get things better. Maybe the bench could have been written better in some things. But I'm very happy with the script that I put out there, and I think they made she made you know, especially considering how short a schedule they had to shoot and how little money they had to shoot. Mm. Because Mary, Mary Mullen, who made it, she put her own money into it. Um, I think she done a good job, and I think the actors did a very good job. And if you want to see it, like Amazon Prime, there, check it out, The Bench. Uh, but I think, and that was so. That was the first one, and then we did one. Sorry, just before that, we'd shot one called The Clean Up, which Mac and I were in again. Um, that's not seen the light of day, so we might reshoot that. There's been some issues with that. Were you in the bench? I wasn't in the bench, <sighs> but I was in the clean up. With uh, and again gave myself way too many lines that taught me a lesson when i was writing when i was writing echoes in my head i'm thinking yeah i'll give most of the lines to mac i'll give most of the do you lines. know do you know what i was really hoping you were gonna say i was really hoping you was gonna say i'll take the bench <laughs> <laughs> well i have been accused of wooden acting so <laughs> i was hoping you was gonna say at the end with the credits no one was on the bench as the credits going up it's just a hat on the bench. it's just a hat yeah <laughs> if only i thought of that chris was, where were you well you know i i, I can you know, for my consulting services yeah for, where were you seven price? years ago we were making it man that would have been a great idea yeah it's like a little Laurel and Hardy tribute as well that would have been quite nice so you went so then is it right so you you got in touch when you when you wrote Echoes of the Past yeah you so didn't know what you could do with it well I know again I'd written it I'd written it so I thought if I don't make it as a film then if I set it in one location then we can make that as a we could do it as a play so it was a lot longer I think the original script was about 30 page, nearly 30 pages long Yeah. so we had to work on bringing it down and even the film itself I think the original cut of the film was 26 minutes and then Scott with his fantastic editing skills he brought that down to 20 he had a 16 minute cut and he had a, uh, a 20 minute cut and we went with the mm. 20 minutes um, so but Scott I met through I used to do a, a chat show for an interview I used to do interviews for UK Horror Scene with Andy, uh, Andy Dean's old website Hanging With Hanging With that's it so I used to do Hanging With and Scott was a guest on Hanging With and we got chatting afterwards we got on really well Scott and I we hit it off I think we'd met the week before at a London Horror Society screening Scott came up and he goes oh I'm on your show next week so we got chatting there and I said Look, let's stop talking man let's just do all this talking yeah, on the show yeah. next week so he came along we got on really well and um, we were chatting about films and got chatting about this script, which was which turned into Echoes. And he said, well, let's send it to me. So I sent it to him and he got in touch with me. He said, let's meet up. Let's let's talk. So we talked. He said, I really like it. Let's make it. So that was it. And I, don't, was, I don't know if you know, I had Scott on quite a while ago. Yeah. And now uh, Scott Lias, by the way, we'll probably drop his surname. Yeah, Scott. There, so he's so yeah. well known. He's Everyone just Scott. He's like Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> so he, and what he said to me was, you know, he was looking for something to do. Yeah. He'd had a few scripts he was interested in, but when he met with people, they were not interested in any kind of collaboration. It was very mm. much, yeah, you're the director. I'm not interested in you changing anything. Mm. And what he said to me about you was there was much more of a, a kind of give and take, work together yeah. to realise the vision between you. Yeah, yeah. There was. We, I mean, he came in and, I mean, Scott's a writer as well. And he, he was saying, well, look, I think we need to change this. I think if we cut this down and we move this... 
and he gave very valid reasons. And like I said, yeah. I mean, if you give me a valid reason, then yeah. I I can completely see that. If you think if you give me a reason and you say I think this will make it better, and then I can see that it will make it better, then fine, we'll we'll go with that. I'm quite happy with that. Um, and same, likewise, if I said to him, well, the reason I want this here yeah. is because. And he'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, and we, we worked together like that. But I put my faith, I put my trust in Scott. He's yeah. a good guy, Scott. He's a very, very good, very, very good director. Very it's, good it's filmmaker. He's come out of a really good product as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was quite happy. Like, if that's what you think is going to work, let's work. And uh, we went through, you know, I had, we had, I had a couple of actors in mind. I wanted Mac and Paul Dudney, I already knew. And I said to Scott, what about Paul? And like, he'd seen, yeah, he'd heard of Paul, I think. And then that was fine. And Mac, he saw a couple of st- things Mac had done and he went, yeah, sure. And then he had Sophie, who he'd worked with previously. Um, she came in. So we had, uh, yeah, that no, was a good collaboration. And, uh, mm. you know, it, it worked really well. And I do think we came out of a really good film. I mean, I'm very, very happy with Echoes. I think it, I think it touches all, all the right bases. It, it does everything it needs to do. And I think, you know, we only shot that over three nights. Uh, it really? was yeah. It was a wow. it was a really really quick quick shoot and really tough shoot. I mean, like everybody worked hard. Cast and crew worked so hard. They worked so hard through the night, sleeping during the day, and then I mean, I don't God. think we got much sleep. Scott and I didn't get an awful lot. Scott, I don't know if Scott got any actually. <laughs> uh, I know I only got a few hours here and there. Um, but then you go you go through. So I think I think we had a great I think we had a great little film. But three nights shoot in a in a very very creepy old house. That originally we were going to stay in to save money. Scott and I and a couple of the other crew members were going to stay. I think Sharad, the camera guy, and then Ivan, who who was production manager there. We were going, we were going to stay in the house just to save money on on accommodation. But yeah, we thought was no. it was it an abandoned house? No, it wasn't an abandoned house. Someone owns it and what, lives there. They don't. Well, eventually they want to live there. Oh, I see. So they're, so they're I see. gradually doing it up. <laughs> but it was. Man, that was, I mean, there was like someone hung himself in that house. Wow. It's a really, really old house. The scene, the scene that we shot the last, where we shot the last scene, someone hung himself from one of the beams. Wow. There. Yeah. So it's, it's not the kind of place you want to stay in. No, no, you probably, you probably were wise there. Um, I want to talk about as well, and I've got to make sure I put the uh, suffix into it as well. Eat me out of house and home. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. Right. <laughs> right. So that, that was. That was an idea that I'd had. I'd had an idea ages and ages ago to do a send up of Come Dine with me, <laughs> and I always thought this show. I always thought found it funny. Just it. It sounds like a, a dining show. Eat me up. So I thought let's have a show called Eat Me Out, and I, I never quite knew what to do with it. So I had this idea for a title. I had a kind of idea of what it would be, like shot reality style. But yep. I never really knew whether it should be shot straight as reality or have to spin. And I never really, you know, and I kind of, then it was kind of like, do you do, you do it as a dark horror or do you do it as just a straight light comedy or what, what do you do with it? And it's something I thought about years and years ago and then really it kind of went to the back of my mind and I was doing other stuff and forgotten about. And, uh, and then Damon Rickard, I'm sure you know Damon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's done some really good shorts himself uh, and he's working on a feature at the moment. He's, he's worked, trying to get his feature funded with, and it's a really good script as well. Damon, there you go. Shout out. Uh, and Damon, uh, I'd known Damon for a while again. He'd been on the show and we were, you know, good mates. He's a, he's a really, really nice guy, Damon. And we hadn't worked together and, you know, and I was just, we were going to a meeting for something else. No, we had worked together. We worked together on a quiz, but we'd never worked on um, a film. So we, we, uh, so I mean, anyway, I was going to a meeting, and I was just suddenly the idea came into my head, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to talk to Damon about this after the meeting, which was about something completely different. I thought, let's chat to Damon about this idea, and so we went to the meeting, and that went well. And then I said, Damon, hang back, man, because I just want to chat to you about something. So we were chatting, and I said, right, I've got this idea. It's called Eat Me Out. It's a dining show. I think we could do it as a possibly do it as a comedy <laughs> horror, but I'm not quite sure. With within ten minutes. We'd have about all these ideas listed about where we take it and about what we do and gags and stupid jokes and like characters. And that was it. And so I said, well, look, I'll go away. I'll write the, the skeleton of it. And it's the first time I'd really collaborated, you know. So, I mean, I went away. I wrote the skeleton of it. So, like, I had ideas for a couple of scenes from the conversation. And I wrote scenes in and left, mass- left gaps in between for scenes uh, saying, well, maybe this or maybe that. And then Dame, I'd send it off to Damon and Damon had sent it back to me with amendments from my scenes and he'd put scenes in and then I'd amend and it was kind of like that I'd amend his scenes and 
have ideas for a joke to go in there and he'd have an idea to joke joke and that was it so we, we'd send it backward and forward and it was actually a really fun process so fun that you start thinking to yourself is this funnier than the film's going to be? <laughs> you know, are we are we getting too much joy out of this? Is anybody else going is to get everyone it? going to be stone faced while we're yeah, sitting there yeah. laughing our heads yeah, off, yeah. <laughs> patting each other on do the back? That, do you remember that yeah. night where we wrote that? Bit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a night that, that was! But that's the thing. You start thinking, of, am I going to be the only one laughing? It's like when I went to see the bench, right? When they done a screening of the bench. Um, I remember there was bits in it and I'd forgotten bits that I'd written, right? So, because it had been so long since I'd seen the script because it got made. I thought, well, I won't go sitting over that. There's no point pouring over that anymore because it's done now. So that was getting written. I went to the screening and I'm sitting there laughing and my girlfriend's going to me, are you laughing at your own stuff? And I'm like, yeah, but it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten I'd written that. That's brilliant. (laughs) And she just kind of looked at me with shock like this. What are you talking about? You can't tell yourself you're good. Get your arm, get a longer arm so you can pack yourself on the back a little bit more <laughs> so is uh, eat me out doing festivals at the moment so that's or? that's doing festivals at the moment it's getting his premiere at the unrestricted view film festival which i'm actually director of but that wasn't nothing to do with me <laughs> damon these these are segueing so well yeah, i know right yeah so Dame, damon is doing a night at the unrestricted view he's doing halloween night Damon Fest, hashtag Damon Fest. Did you know this was literally... Was that your next question? My next question was the unrestricted view. I'm like a psychic. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it brilliant? Is there no end to your talents? Not, well... You should do a one-man show. Chris, I don't like to brag, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so, yeah, Damon's doing, doing Halloween night, at, um, which is hashtag Damon Fest, and he's got a few short films, and he's screening Death of a Flogger there as his feature, and one of the shorts he's screening is Emo, as we like to call it for short, just so we don't offend anybody. Uh, eat me <laughs> out. And he's dead, so it's getting his world premiere there and i think we just got into a couple of other festivals um so it'll be playing at that two of those i think dead by night i think in up near up somewhere <laughs> near manchester i think that is that's playing and it's playing somewhere else i can't remember the other one um it's over in San Francisco, I think it is. So, are there any, could it could it potentially be on something like Amazon Prime or, or something? I like think that I think eventually it'll end up on something like that, maybe YouTube or Amazon. It will go to. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, like because Damon quite quite rightly, it, it, his concern was that are we do we appeal enough to a comedy a straight comedy audience? Yeah. Yeah. And do we do we have enough horror to appeal to a horror audience? Because we're kind of in yeah. the middle there, and it's and like you said, not everybody yeah. is comedy horror, it, and it is more comedy hopefully (laughs) it's supposed to be more comedy than horror it's supposed you know so really we wanted to appeal to everybody and sometimes when you try to appeal i mean like to be fair we wrote it to what made us laugh but you're also trying to think well will people get it you know you want it to be enough so people will get the gag i I think as long as for me as long as people go into a film knowing that it's going to be a comedy horror then you're in a certain mindset. Yeah, so yeah. I think, and um, this is, I found that this is quite an unpopular view, but I really, really despised Cabin in the Woods. Okay. I, I hated it. But the reason was, it wasn't because I didn't think it was a good film. It's because I didn't know it was going to be so funny and lighthearted. And, you know, when it was advertised, I just, everything I saw was, this is a, this is a groundbreaking, game-changing yeah. horror. You know, you had that image of the, the cabin twisting. Yeah, yeah. I thought, this is going to be incredible. And then when it was basically a slightly more adult Buffy yeah. film, I, I was just so disappointed. Do you know what's funny is that, um, well, I mean, maybe it's not, again, you might not find emo funny. <laughs> They're not as funny as Damon and I did. Anyway. But, I, but I know but, it's funny. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the thing, be funny. so you go in. But one of the things, when, when um, just going back to Echoes um, quickly, one of the things Scott said to me, one of the, Scott th- one of the things Scott suggested was we take a lot more of the humour out because it's too much. So we did. And I never really thought about that because mm. I'm thinking, this is just how I write. This is yeah. how... Because some people deal with situations with humour. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what these two characters do. Frank and Fred, that's how they... I don't think they even know they're being funny. Yeah. I, you know, but that's how they deal with things. That's Gen- how they deal with their fears. So people, that was yeah. how... I was just writing how I deal with something. So yeah. each of those characters within Echoes is a facet of my personality. So you've got Liz, who's the fixer, because I like to fix. And you've got Frank and Fred, who are the audience, but are also a little bit cynical, and humor, the humour's there, and that's kind of part of me. Perfect balance. Thank you. Funnier yeah. at the beginning and tailing off and that, as it went on. You've got. I've got to credit Scott. With some a lot people, of that. though, some people might disagree. Some people mm. might, for, for their tastes, think, "I wish that humour had carried on." Well, I, I, I think Scott was right. 
I think looking out, I think it was right because we needed to, get, like you said, I think it needed to be really dark. I suppose you, it depends what you want it to be in the end. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't actually want it to be a comedy horror. I never wrote it as a comedy horror. So I didn't realise there was so much humour until just, Scott I, started sorry, picking just, out it. I've just got these images of you writing now, just chuckling away to yourself <laughs> when you're writing. What are you like? I'm, I'm doing a remake of Schindler's List. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, those Nazis. I just, yeah, I do. I've got to admit, sometimes I make myself laugh quite often and I've put it in sometimes I'll just make myself laugh I have this idea I'll make myself laugh I've got to find a script to put that in I've just got to write something to put that joke in but the, the, yeah so Scott was right I think Scott was right he said there's too much there's too much humour especially then we took loads and loads of humour out near the end and I didn't really think about it but when we were making it and I was, I was talking about I was talking to this with Mac who I've known for years and I was talking to Mac about it and Mac goes but isn't it a comedy horror? I'm like, no, 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 it's not supposed to be a comedy horror. It goes, oh, I thought it was. I just I was like, no, 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 it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be dark. And these two Why is there a characters. pie gag in the middle yeah, of it? Yeah, what's all that about? What's, and what's with the pogo stick? I thought it was making a very social, socially relevant comment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's it. And where were we anyway? So going back, yeah. So going back, going forward to emo. So I think emo was like uh, just write comedy, just write, try and write a comedy because I had that idea. And after the conversation with Damon, it was pretty much let's make this, let's let's get this made because we, even the conversation itself, we were get we were making each other laugh with these stupid jokes and stupid ideas, and we thought, well, let's try and get it. And then the script, Damon would be sending me stuff that was making me laugh, and my stuff was making me laugh although Damon would say that his stuff was making him laugh and that was it so <laughs> Damon will claim that he wrote all the best parts of Emo the problem is I can't remember what I wrote <laughs> apart from the opening scene I can only remember writing the opening scene everything else it could well have been Damon I don't know uh, what, what night is Damon Fest? Damon Fest is on Halloween night Ah, but I'm there all week all with week. Unrestricted View because? because I'm the festival director so how did you become the festival director and what is, what is the festival as well? right so the Unrestricted View is a horror film festival that was set up four years ago it launched four years ago uh, by james wren at the hen and chickens theater in islington and he does two festivals he does a, a festival which is in april and that runs that runs for a week and that's, and that's just the general film general. that's just general films and then he done the horror festival which always runs at the end of october so we get halloween yeah, yeah. until the beginning of november and he's been running that for four years like i said four years he's been running two festivals god knows how the man is a monster being able to run two festivals because it's so much work as I found out this year. Uh, so, and Echoes played at, well, I think the bench actually played at the main fest at the March, April festival. And then Echoes played at one of the festivals, right. one of the horror festivals. And I went to, I went to that, to the screen, which is where I met James. And we'd met him, we might've met him before that anyway, but we had the screening there. We had the cast and crew screening there, actually, which is what I'm, so I know James before, and I'd only met him briefly, and we got on, mm, mm. and then Scott and I presented a night there uh, for London Horror Society. Uh, we presented the night there, so that was good, and got chatting to James, and then like the next year, I think I went back just as a just to see the films, and the year after that, uh, we, James and I had met, and he said, "Have you got any ideas for this and that?" Like, I think the, you know, trying to up it a little bit, up the game a little bit, because every mm. year you want to improve. Yeah, yeah. You don't just want to carry on. And you, you want to keep growing and building and making it an even better experience for the filmmakers and for, for your audience. So we went to that. So I went to that and then I got chatting and he said, well, look, next year, which is this year now, do you fancy taking over? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having no idea what I'm supposed to do. September. How it, it's like 28th of September. Yeah. So, so uh, Tony, what have you got lined up? Yeah. Oh, loads of things. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to name one of them? Not yet. <laughs> Uh, so, so I got involved and I was so I was co-director last year at the horror festival which gave me a good way to to get an idea of what to actually do during the festival yeah no idea what to do before the festival but <laughs> I've learned that and then so it was a festival and it was good fun man it was absolutely shattering and again this is why I go back I don't know how the whole James did two festivals within within a year it's just so much work um so I went to that and then I'm like yeah yeah okay right okay so we're gonna be fantastic we're gonna be marvelous this will be amazing people are gonna be like amazed that's the best festival ever <laughs> but then you've got all these films to watch <laughs> so all these submissions and you want to make sure that every single one of the submissions gets watched because you know what it's like as a yeah, filmmaker yeah. when you put your film out there you're paying money for people you're paying money to submit your film at the very least they should watch it whether they like it that's up to them that's fine if they don't it might not be for their festival it might not work for their festival and but you, you were part of the selection 
selection. So I'm so I'm well. trying to watch all the films, and I've got actually Damon was one of the selection committee, and um, Jen Dale and Martin Stocks, who's a filmmaker, yep. and they they were all kind of watching the films when they could. Uh, and we got between us, we got to watch every single film that was submitted. Everything that got submitted, we watched everything. Just made sure of it. I was even sending that list saying, guys, guys, <laughs> if you're watching anything, can you just try and watch one of these? <laughs> do you still haven't watched it? Can you try and watch these? So you're trying to get through everything and you try and watch as much yourself. I, I mean, I'm, I, man, I, 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 so I was how, in a blur. How, how many did you have blur. to get through? What was the submissions like? <sighs> like a few hundred, I think, two hundred, wow. something like that. It was, it was a lot of films and you just, you're dizzy at times um, and it gets hard I mean some some of the films are not very good there must have been quite a few there's some that really thought, I just wish there was another day we could have yeah, you know, fit a couple more yeah and or. that's and that's the, the the good side of it is that there's a lot of good films and you get to the point where you're thinking oh I haven't got room for this one and then it's like which, which one do I put in how do I it's a really mm. really tough choice yeah obviously you'd like to play absolutely everything because you'd like yeah. to accomplish because again as a filmmaker you want your film to be seen and you've put that effort and you've put that time in and it deserves to be seen and the good thing with having a a, a group of a different group of people watching it is like there'll be stuff that that one person likes that I didn't like yeah but they liked it and then they gave good reason why they liked it so yeah. okay well let's put that into the maybe list and then put that in you know if we if we can fit it so there's there's stuff in there that that it's hopefully it's a really good eclectic choice it's a really broad choice because it's come from it's not just coming from what i like it's coming from what a group of people likes and and they all had diff- they all have differing tastes and they all have differing reasons for for liking certain films or disliking certain films so we got a good i think we've got a really good really mix. good lineup i think we were very fortunate i mean at one point there's there's points when you're thinking oh my god am i going to have enough films to make a good festival yeah but then at the end of it it was pretty much crikey what what do i lose so i mean obviously you would like people to come to every single film of course yeah but for you any particular highlights you would recommend people look out for well okay so i've opened no so i don't i don't i think i think every night we've got we've got good stuff i'm very confident this year i I mean i james has always put on good festivals and i want i no offense to james wren I want to better James Wren's festivals because well, yeah. I want it to, I want to make yeah. it better because last year's last year's was a great festival the year before was good and I, I think every year it's, we're it's getting better, get better, and better. we're getting better every year yeah. I mean like we know as filmmakers we know how we want to be treated ourselves mm. as an audience we know how we want to be treated so we we go all out to make sure that the viewing experience is great and that the participation of the filmmaker it's all good we want to make sure that they all enjoy it um and then, of course, if you go for an audience, you want to put on the best films. You want to, you want them to come and not just support indie horror, but walk away thinking that was really good. So I think we've got a really good mix of films. We've got a really good uh, range of films. And I think anybody that comes should be able to appreciate the cinema experience at the very, very least and the quality of the stuff, that's the effort that's been put in. You're not going to like every single film you see. If you come mm. every night, you're not going to enjoy it. I don't think you're going to come away thinking, oh, I loved all of that it's not possible to to entertain one person for everything but there should be some there should be something for everyone i think yeah i mean one film that i've, I've seen that's on there is on your opening night that yep. i've seen a lot of buzz about is nefarious yep so how did that dogged played at the unrestricted view a few years ago oh. <laughs> and i'd met uh richard roundtree i think the first time i met richard roundtree is the right director and one of the producers is was at Triple Six, which was in Manchester, which we would, just before we yep. came on air, we were talking about Chris Barnes and Andy Dean. Um, and they ran a festival a few years back called Triple Six, which was a brilliant, brilliant festival. Chris, Andy, well done. It was a brilliant, brilliant fest. And I met, you know, I met Richard there. And, you know, we kept in touch. And I think that's when Dogged was, was starting to play. And Dogged played at the Unrestricted View. And they, uh, they that done really well on the festival circuit. And we stayed friends, you know, and then that was that was going around, and then they started working on their new film, Nefarious. And I thought, well, oh, man, I want, I want, I, you know what? Even before I'd seen it, I thought, if I'm doing the festival, I want Nefarious. I want it because I know they're going to do a good job, because I know the guys, I know the quality of what they did with Dogged, and with Dogged, they took all the the criticism. They got a lot of praise, but any any negative criticism, well, not constructive. Let's call it constructive yeah, criticism. Yeah. Any constructive criticism that they got they took on board and they said, well, let's make this film even better. So we use all the, all, all the constructive criticism that we took. Let's learn from that. Let's learn from what, what they've said, the feedback, and let's make it even better. And Nefarious is quite a different film. It still feels like one of their films. It still feels yeah, like an Ashman yeah. film, but it, it, it's gone different. They've gone from 
folk horror to urban horror like uh, and they've they've done they have turned out to do a really I had confidence that they do a good job but I, from mm. the very beginning even in production I thought I, I want this I know they're yeah. going to do a good job I want this so I was talking to Richard and he goes no 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 we'll just enter it we'll enter it like everybody else I'm like Rich you can do it and he goes no no we'll enter it like everybody else It'll, we'll, we'll submit it and then it's up to you guys um, so that went that went through production and it is I don't like to say that I knew, but <laughs> it did, is a very you? good film. I you knew, did, I knew, know. <laughs> I did know. It's a really good film. It's a really good film. And so uh, the only the only thing was that held me back was that I'm in it. <laughs> so I was a little bit worried at saying, "Well, can we select this?" So I sat down with James. I, I didn't know you were in the film. Yeah, yeah, I'm I in it. Yeah, no. Um, so I play a copper. <laughs> Which had me, which had line of duty just playing in my head all the time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I sat there with James. And I, know, I know you're human now, and I'm thinking hot fuzz. Hot fuzz, I was, <laughs> man. I was like line of duty. I was just, I was just, like, I was just had my suit on. I'm like, hey, let's just let's do this. So it was. It, but I said, to, I sat there with James, and I said, well, look, I, I think it's a really good film. What I've, I, you know, what I've seen of it, and then I, you know, finally seen the whole film. I think it's really, I think it's really really good, and I think it'd be a really strong opening night movie. But, but I'm going to be opening the festival. <laughs> I'm going to be presenting the festival, and I'm going to be in the bloody. I'm going to be in the bloody film, and I, I'm not sure is that a good idea. But it wasn't a film that I made. It wasn't a film that I wrote. It wasn't. I had nothing to do with the production. I they just asked me if I fancied if I could come down one day and just shoot shoot a few scenes I'm yeah. not in a lot of it but I mean just shoot a few I scenes think, I think if you were like the star of the show it might be a bit different it might well, raise so, a few out of course I suggested it can't you cut everybody else out and just have me but they, they wouldn't have it I uh, but yeah and James goes well, you're just an act you're just acting in it so what's the problem so James I, I left it James I said well if you're happy then that's if you're happy with it then I think I think it's it's our premiere I think it's our opening night so we spoke to Richard and um, which was like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. And it, we, we wanted it as a UK premiere. And it turns out we've got it as a European premiere. Wow. So we're really, really chuffed. Um, and I'm really, really pleased with the film. I think they, I mean, I love the guys anyway. I don't know if you've met Richard or any of the guys, but they are, they are just a solid team. They, I can't, you know, I can't speak highly enough of them. I've been really fortunate with Emo, with Eat Me Out, um, with Eat Me Out and then uh, Echoes of the Past and then working on Richard's film. The, the the cast and crew have been phenomenal. They work so hard. Um, so I'm really, really pleased for them on a personal level, but I'm really, really pleased for myself and for, for, the, for the team, for, yeah, the, for the team yeah. at, on Restricted View, that we've got a really, really good film as our opening night premiere, which is a European premiere, ladies and gentlemen. But, and the tickets are still available, just there's still a few tickets left. So what's the, um, the, the logistics of the festival? When, where? Right, so we launch on the 28th of October. Yep. Uh, the opening night Tuesday U- no Monday. Monday yeah the opening night European premiere of Nathalius is at the Unrest- it's um, it's the Unrestricted View present it at the screen on the green in Islington which is a big cinema everyman cinema so the tickets are selling for that um, we've done we've sold loads though and then the rest of the festival will take place at the Hen and Chickens which is just down the road from the Unrest- which is the Unrest- I keep saying Unrestricted View just down the road from the screen on the green on Highbury Corner in North London Islington um, which is a fantastic little venue. It's a really intimate little venue. We've got a great screen, great sound system, and we're upstairs from a pub. What more could you ask for? <laughs> you know, you watch your movies, you come down and have a few drinks so and is it, chat you, to people. You, you pay per film or per evening? So you pay. You can pay for. You can get a festival pass. You can get a daily pass, or you can pay. So you can pay for a short film block, or you can pay for the features. So whatever you want, um, you, it's there. We've got all the options there for you. Uh, the screen on the green is the only night you have to. That's the only night that we don't really have anything to do with the ticketing because that's for yeah, the cinema. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the week, yeah, the rest of the week you can get a festival pass and do blocks and it's all online. Please come along. What's the website? The website on Restrictive View? Yeah. That's a really good question. I'm going to put that as a link. Yeah. yeah. We'll put all, all the links will be in afterwards. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so um, we're going to do the uh, the quiz now. Oh, dear. So, well, I think... I did kind of put myself on the did, spot did, here. You kind yeah. of... you. So, you said film. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty General, broad man. range. Yeah, yeah. But that's all right, because if I don't get anything right, I can just say you, you didn't my, ask me about the films that I wanted. I didn't to ask you the about. right question. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think you're going to do fine. Mm. I think I've been a bit too generous of how easy mm. some of these are. I don't know. I'm on the spot. The right, pressure so you've could got, tell. You've got two minutes. Right. 
20 questions. Right. No one gets anywhere near 20. Right. I'm, will I get, how, what's the worst anybody's done, Chris? It was, it was Chris Niles. <laughs> how many did he get? Eight. Do you know what his specialist subject was? Horror films. Was, was it really eight. Chris? And he does yeah. a bloody quiz as well. He's a captain. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Two minutes on film. Right. Go. Which animated film of 2004 is the story of a family of undercover superheroes living quietly? The Incredibles. In the Correct. Which 1990 gangster movie is based on the biography of Henry Hill as a, a good small... Correct. Which film of 1975 is set in a mental institution? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Correct. Which film starring Jean Reno and Natalie Portman about an assassin uh, uh, who reluctantly takes in a 12-year-old Leon. author? Correct. Who directed the 1968 film Once Upon a Time in the West? That was Sergio Leone. Correct. Which 1966 film directed by Sergio Leone and starred Clint Eastwood? 66. Was that Fistful of Dollars? Good, the bad and the ugly. Oh. Which actor played Alfred in the 2008 Batman flick? The Michael Dark Goff. Knight. Oh, no, no, it, was, um, it wasn't Michael Goff. That was the original. That was The Dark Knight was Michael Caine. Correct. From 2008 film, which animated film tells the story of a small waste collection robot left on an abandoned earth? Uh, Wally. Released in 1979, which space horror stars Sigourney Weaver as Ripley? Alien. Which 80s classic stars Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox? Back to the Future. Which 1991 film directed by James Cameron, be careful here, directed by James Cameron stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has turned from assassin to protector? It's T2. Correct. Judgment Day. Released in 2014, which film shows the human race facing extinction? Explorers must travel beyond our solar system in search of a habitable planet. Passengers? Interstellar. Oh. Which film, released in 1999, stars Keanu Reeves as a computer hacker? Um, Johnny Mnemonic? The Matrix. Oh, damn. In which film does Luke Skywalker receive Jedi training from Yoda? Empire Strikes Correct. Back. Correct. Which film from 2010 starring Leonardo DiCaprio as a criminal skilled in obtaining secrets from the subconscious mind? Uh, that was... Oh, uh, that was Christopher Nolan. It is... Damn it. It's... Oh, pass. <laughs> in, name the film from 1999 starring Edward Norton. I've started so I'll finish as an insomniac office worker and Brad Pitt as a charismatic... Fight Club. Player. Correct. Wow, you're our new leader. I know it already. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You got eleven right. No one's got eleven. Really? Yeah. Damn, and I was stuck on that. I'm still trying to think that DiCaprio one. That's Inception. So, that's oh, I knew it was an in something. It was just a. Let's let's just you you nearly got to the end. So uh, let's let's get to the end of these questions. Right, go on. Released in 2003, this is the third in the trilogy starring Elijah Wood and Ian McClellan. That would be Lord of the Rings. Uh, what the Fellowship of the Ring was the first one. It was the Twin Towers. Think it Crown. Was, it was the, the Return of the King. Return of the which, King, that's it. Which early Quentin Tarantino film stars John Travolta, Uma Thurman and Bruce Willis? Pulp Fiction. Who played James Bond in Live and Let Die? Live and Let Die is Roger Moore. And this is, I'm, I'm quite proud of this question. Let's see if you get it. Which James Bond film was named after Ian Fleming's home in Jamaica? That would be, it's a Pierce Brosnan one. It is. Goldeneye? Yes. Wow. Wow. You know your stuff. I'm going to have to go back to check, but I'm sure, I'm sure you're in the lead. Well, that's, is that a good score then? <laughs> that's, that's a good score. I mean, most people get through about 15. The, the Matrix one I'm annoyed at. I had the Matrix and I thought, no. Most people get through enough. about 15, 16. The fact that you got 11. Oh, that's pretty. I'm, I'm annoyed. I should have got the Matrix. That's gutting. And, and Inception. It had it in Stella. I had Interstellar stuck in my head and I couldn't get it out. I've never um, seen that one. Never seen that Interstellar. One. So they, they were quite it's rubbish. Is it? They were quite. Inception's they, very good. But they were quite fair. Yeah, that was good, man. Yeah, were, yeah. I'm, I'm relieved I actually got Annie. I mean, I'm relieved I got one. I was when I got past the one. I'm thinking, yes. I just, I just thought it was right. funny. You know, Chris Niles, London Horror Society, captain of a horror quiz. Yes, yes. Absolutely failed miserably. Shame on you, it was Christopher. Really bad. Shame really, really bad. Not that it's a competition. But no, it is. It's, oh, it is a competition. Oh, there's going to be is. a prize at the end. Really? I'm in, man. I, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm really gutted. I didn't miss those I don't know, two. I don't know what it is yet, <laughs> but there will, there will be a prize. 
You'll probably be um, being in a short film or something. <laughs> <laughs> Written by yeah. Tony Zanz. Yeah, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, Harry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk as well about, very quickly, uh, some of the other work you do. You've got a charity yes. that you set up as well. Yeah, I... Um, when I was out of acting, when I dropped out of acting, I started working in special needs. And um, I worked in a school, and what that led to was a charity called Step Football, which provides football for adults with learning disabilities. So that's men and women aged 16 and up. We are now, what year are we? We're now 15 years old. We're going to be wow. 16 in January. We're 16 years old in January. And it is... Um, and I'd say for anybody that's involved in it, any of the volunteers that we've got, it is an amazing experience to be part of. It's a real pleasure and an honour to be part of it. We meet some amazing people. Some of our players are just, they're just the best people that you could come across. Um, we don't care about ability levels. We don't care about how great a footballer you are. It's all about participation. It's all about helping build confidence and build self-esteem, helping people find a voice. And I think this is something that not just people with disabilities can struggle with it's something that all of us can struggle with it's finding a voice and going back to the writing of echoes for instance it's about finding a voice it's about voicing your yourself and getting that getting that out there so one of the things we want is we always want to give them confidence we want to help them find out discover who they are become who they can be the very best of who they can be and giving them the the power of voice and i think we've managed that with the players that we have i think we do a really good job um so is it, a, is it like football training it's or is football, it a team? It's football training. We have a team, Step FC. Um, we have tournaments occasionally. We used to run a league in Camden, which was too expensive, so we had to stop <laughs> doing that. Um, so we, go, yeah, we, we, have little, we have many tournaments. We usually have a tournament a couple of times a year. We, we competed in the People's FA Cup, uh, the London side of it, I think, the North London side of People's FA Cup, which we won. Wow. Um, and we were supposed to go on to the next one, but we just couldn't afford or have the time to get to the next stage, which was unfortunate. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a really, really good experience. But we have a team, we have a kit and everything. We, you know, we're a proper team. We, it, we want it, it to be a proper team. And is it team. something that people can help with, get involved with? Um, we, yeah, I mean, we raise most of the money ourselves. We, we don't get paid for it. Um, we're always open to players coming along. So if you're in North London, if you're in the Camden area, then, you know, come down, join us. Uh, we've got a website, uh, stepfootball.co.uk. I can remember that one. Excellent. That's an easy one We'll, we'll put that on there as well. Yeah, and um, voluntary. I mean, like, we, we at the moment, we, we're all right. We there's, there's three of us that are there every week. And uh, there's four of us that, there's three of us that run it, and then there's three others of it that, that, that there every week. It, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing. I, I, when, I, when I started it, when I had the idea to start it, I don't know if I actually really believed it would take, come to fruition, whether it would actually take off. So, but we had the right people involved. The right people got involved and we had some amazing events. We had, we've had huge events at the Park Lane Hotel in London, fundraising events where we've had, we had 600 people at one event. We had hundreds at another and hundreds That's amazing. at another. Um, over the years, we've always raised enough money to keep going. Uh, Mike Sheehy and Pete Whiteman, and um, oh, Keith, what's his surname? I've forgotten his kid. But anyway, three of them, they, three guys, they went on a, a big long walk. Uh, they'd done 100K in 24 hours, in under 24 hours in wow. the end, along the Thames to raise money. They raised over £4,000 wow. for the charity. Uh, we, we've just always managed to get ourselves by whenever we've fallen, you know, whenever it's looked like we haven't got enough money, we've, we've got the money. And it always goes back into the team. It always goes back to the players. Every penny that we raise goes on them we're always trying to find new things for them to do. Like we still want to do a trip to Ireland and do go and do a little trip to Ireland for the players. And then that'd be funded by, by us. So it's, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's brilliant to be involved in it and it's brilliant to be part of it. And it's brilliant to be able to change people's lives and help people grow um, into something. And it's something that we're all very, very passionate about. And it's something that's very, very important to us. I think, you know, making films is one thing, writing films is one thing, but really it's just superfluous, isn't it? It's yeah, just, yeah. it's something that's there. It's not going to be the be all and the end all. It's not something that's, that I, I look at to make me happy. You know, you've got to find happiness in yourself. And if, if you're happy in yourself, then everything you do, that can add to it and that can be part of it, but it shouldn't be it. 
Mm. You know, making a film should not be the thing that makes you happy. Getting to make, getting the budget to make a film should not be the thing that makes you happy. You've got to be happy, and then everything else is part of it. Um, but step is is our opportunity to give people a chance to grow and find happiness in themselves, and then build from that and grow from that. And you know, we're we're good at it. We've got good at it over the years. You know, we, we deal with an awful lot. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we deal with personal issues. Sometimes we deal with mini crises and, and mm. tempers and, you know, frustrations. And it's all about, look, you know, we're not always going to win the games. We're not always going to score lots of goals. But it's about being professional and being sports, a sports, sportsmanship, showing good sportsmanship and and shaking people by the hand and saying, well done, you know, you're really you the better player today. So it's really, really important to us that we make everything fair and we make everybody appreciative of each other and work together. And the, the, the great thing that is, one of the many great things that has grown from it is that our more able players, they help the less able players. They don't, you don't have to direct them. You don't have to tell them. It's just something they do. They, mm, they take responsibility yeah. for each other, which is what, what a team is. So yeah, that, that's... Um, that's incredible. Yeah, we'll get all those details up as well. Thank you, yeah. So tell me, final question, what's next for you? Any more writing that you're doing? Anything coming out on the horizon? <laughs> um, there, I've got a few scripts that I've written. So there's a few short, like might pretty like three-minute shorts. Um, there's, I've written a couple. I've written a play that needs redrafting, but it's finding the time to sit down with a group of actors and hearing it aloud before I can, before I know what really needs fixing. Uh, and I'm working on a couple of other plays. Uh, there's a couple of features I've written scripts for, which probably need a lot, a bit of work going redrafting them. So, it, you know, if anything, it's this stuff. This sit, there's scripts that are sitting there in a little pile. You've got to find it's, that one man show as well. Finding, and the one man show, which won't be me, <laughs> it won't be me, unless it's me completely blagging it all the way through. <laughs> the truth is, there's no point in me doing a script. I did a film with Mac, the, the cleanup, the one that hasn't seen the light of day, and Mac remembered all my lines. I couldn't remember anything. Mac's just, Mac's just sitting there feeding me my lines. I'm like, oh, no, this is this is not good. I need to. If it's a one man show, it needs to be a one man show with like a line every ten minutes or something. As long as I've got a little monitor in front of me telling me what it is, there's no way I'm remembering a one-man show. It's not happening, man. I've got, I haven't got, the, I haven't got the memory. And the worst thing with forgetting your, forgetting the lines is forgetting the lines in a script that you've written. There's no excuse. I didn't write that. There's no, no excuse that's, that's for not that. What it says. There's no excuse for that. Even in Echoes, Echoes, when we did Echoes, like you try doing that the second, the third night of straight shoot when you're doing a film, it's like it's six, four o'clock in the morning, looking at the other actors and realizing they remember every single line in the script, and you're thinking, oh no. <laughs> so if I look scared in Echoes, it's a mix of <laughs> it's a mix of fatigue and the fear of forgetting a line that I've written myself. So yeah, that's that's not acting, man. That's real. So if you can remember, yep. how can people find out more, your social media? Right, so I'm on Twitter, at um, Tony Sands at TonyRDB. Uh, the Real Tony Sands uh, on Instagram. The Real Tony Sands, Real Tony Sands Official, or Tony Sands Official on Facebook, the real, whatever. Tony Sands Official on Facebook, I think. And um, you can catch me on, um, I've got a website, which is TonySandsOfficial.com. Brilliant, Tony. Thank you so much for coming well, in. Well, no, thank you so much for asking me, Chris. I'm really pleased that I've got some questions right in your quiz. I think this I has s- gone quite well. It's, um, gone, it's gone really well. Thanks you know, very much, Everything man. else, you know, the, the charity, uh, the, the festival, you've done so well <laughs> in the quiz. That's, that's <laughs> Thanks, the main man. thing. And it's a real pleasure to finally meet you, man. I mean, we Excellent. interact you on too. social media, so it's actually really, really nice to meet it, you it's, it's properly. Really, there's so many people who I've known for a long time, but I'm yeah. only f- now actually, you know, in the real world meeting. Yeah, and keep up the good work of the show, dude. I Cheers, mean, it's thank fantastic. You. I mean, like, it's people like you that to give people like me uh, a chance to to air what we're doing. You're, you're very, very there. welcome. Excellent. Cheers, thank you, Tony. Dude. Cheers. Thank Thanks you. very much, man. Thank you so much to my guest, Tony Sands. All those links we talked about will be available in the description, including how you can get your tickets for the Unrestricted View Horror Film Festival. Definitely go and check that out. It sounds amazing. You'll probably see me there as well. And as always, thank you so much for listening in and supporting the show. If you want to find out more, then follow me on Twitter at CW underscore Stag, where you can get in touch through my website, CWStag.com. Take care, and I'll see you soon.
Sweet, sweet. 